My message this morning is on wrestling with God. Wrestling with God. Uh, that is a, that's a scary thing and it's an amazing thing to wrestle with God. It's scary and it's amazing. Now, uh, we've all wrestled, haven't we? Some people wrestled as a sport. They maybe wrestled in, as a little kid or into, ice, into high school. I had a student in Minnesota that was the heavyweight wrestler uh, for the high school. I beat him until he was like a sophomore in high school. I had him pinned. I could get him, but then he just got way bigger and better than me. And so he enjoyed doing that. But wrestling happens in life. It's not always fun like your thumb wars were. Sometimes wrestling can be exhausting. Sometimes wrestling can be frustrating, it can be painful, it can even be discouraging. Wrestling can be with health issues, with family and relational issues, it can be with uh, marital issues, with work issues, financial issues, addiction issues, and so on and so on and so on. Issues come that we wrestle with in life. With, but I believe this, without wrestling with issues, there would likely be little progress in life. There would be little to no progress. Now, this is quite exaggerating, but imagine a world where everybody crawled because the first time somebody tried to walk, you fell over and so you quit. So everybody crawls because you had to kind of, kids have to wrestle, they have to struggle to, to walk and, and do that. Can you imagine no buildings in our earth because first time somebody went to swing a hammer, they smashed their thumb and they never want to do it again. Or imagine... A world without music, because the first time somebody sits down at the piano or to pick up a guitar, it sounds horrible. And so they choose to give it up and never try. Or, or they sit down to write and, and there's no books in this world because when you sit down to write, you misspell things. And so you quit, you don't write. Or there, you sit down to paint or draw and it looks horrible. Your stick figure was a mess, Okay. And so you quit. Can you imagine a world where we quit, where we didn't wrestle with issues, with things that didn't come natural or things that come easy? We, we've all learned how to wrestle in life without wrestling for something you want to do or have. There will be very few things in life that you would accomplish or have. Our story today, if many of you probably guessed, wrestling with God is a guy named... Jacob. Jacob wrestled with God. Jacob, uh, if you know his story, Jacob uh, was the younger twin to his brother Esau. He was the son of Isaac and Rebekah, and he was the grandson of Abraham and Sarah. Abraham, God gave him a promise that from your descendants would come many nations. And so here's uh, Jacob uh, being born, and it says that as, as Esau is being born, Esau grabs his heel. He grabs his heel, and uh, that's really important to know because uh, Esau actually means grabber or grab, grab the heel. And if you know uh, Esau's, or Jacob and Esau's story, as they grow, Jacob grabs things that aren't his, that aren't meant for him. His brother, uh, being the oldest, gets something called the birthright. And uh, Jacob tricks his brother. He manipulates. He deceives him. He, he takes advantage of his brother's desperate situation of being hungry. He was probably hangry, okay, as some people get. And uh, so when, when you're in that state, you give up things because there's only one thing you want, and it's food. And, and Esau only wanted his food. And so uh, Jacob tricked him for that. Later, uh, as 
as uh, Jacob, or as their father Isaac is, is nearing his death, it's, it's, a, it's tr- a tradition customary for the, for the father to bless his children, and he blesses the oldest with the, the biggest blessing, with, with the authority, with the power, with the inheritance. And Jacob goes in and he, he tricks his father. If you remember the story, he, he puts on, his brother was very hairy, Jacob was not. Jacob, or Esau was from uh, the wilderness and, and would have the smell of probably dirt or, or must from the woods or wherever he was. And, uh, and so Jacob went in to trick his his father but with his mother's help and he put on uh, fur to, to be hairy and to smell like Esau would and his father blessed him as though he was the oldest and so Jacob uh, he took what was not his he was a grabber and uh, Esau wanted to kill his brother he'd probably had enough of this just trickster this deceiver and so when somebody wants to kill you, what's the best thing to do? You run. He ran. He didn't want to face his brother, and so he ran. And he runs to a distant land. Uh, if I remember the story right, his mother tells him, run to this land and find your Uncle Laban, and he will help care for you, and he will, he will uh, provide for you. And so Jacob flees to a distant land. And in a sense, Jacob gets deceived while he's there. He falls in love with Laban's oldest daughter, or youngest daughter, Rachel. Uh, and he works seven years for her. Guys, how many of you work seven years for your bride? Okay? Tom's like, yeah. Many of us have worked many years once we're married. We, we all do. Husbands and wives work for each other. Uh, but on his wedding night, he believes that, that in, you know, he's, he's marrying Rachel, but his father-in-law deceives him and tricks him, and he wakes up, and he, is, he has been with Leah, the older daughter. And Jacob's like, you deceived me. You tricked me. And so he makes an arrangement, works seven more years for Rachel. Now that's a lot of love for a woman that he must have had. And so Jacob, in a sense, got deceived. And so in this time, Jacob is, he's, uh, he's away from his family. He's not, with, he's not with his parents. He's not with his brother. And he's, his family is growing. From Jacob's family, we get the 12 tribes of Israel. He had 12 sons. And uh, so he's got a large family. He's accumulated wealth. He's accumulated livestock. He's accumulated. And he senses that God wants him to go home. What's at home? His brother Esau. He, doesn't, he didn't have a phone to call. Hey, you still mad at me? Okay, I'm not coming. Or, all right, I'll be there when we can. But he, he takes what he has and he heads out for home. And as he nears home, he comes to uh, the Jabbok River. And there he, he devises a plan and he says, Okay, uh, out of all my animals, all my wealth, I'm going I'm I'm to put this many donkeys and this many goats, this many sheep ahead, and this is a gift to Esau. He was trying to bribe him. He was trying to manipulate the situation and say, yeah, You know what? This is for you. Please be nice to me. Have you ever given a gift hoping somebody's going to be nice to you? I know I did growing up. And then from what, what he did and put a, to, as a gift to his brother, he divides into two camps. His children and, and, and wives separated, his animals separated with the thought that if Esau were to attack, 
if Esau were to attack, at least somebody might escape, something might escape that I'm not left with nothing. Because he had gotten word from a messenger that Esau was on his way to meet him and there's 400 men coming with him. And so Jacob is concerned. Now we're going to read this morning in Genesis chapter 32. And this is the story of where Jacob, he, he's about to send his, his, uh, his wife and his children and his possessions across the river. And he stays one night alone in the camp that they had been in. He stayed one night and he has an encounter with a, with a messenger from God. And let's read it this morning. It says, During the night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives, and his eleven sons and crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent all his possessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he could not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out its socket. Then the man said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name, the man asked. And he replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. For now, you, for now, from now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name, the man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob called the place Peniel, which means face of God. For, for he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. Even today, the people of Israel don't eat the tendon near the hip socket because of what happened that night when the man strained the tendon of Jacob's hip. I wonder what this was like. If Jacob could tell the story to us, what, would, what was it like to have somebody, a stranger, come into your camp and start wrestling with you? Number one, this is awkward. <laughs> what? What did I do? All my possessions are gone. What are you going to try to take? And so this man comes in to wrestle with, with uh, Jacob. It doesn't tell us exactly who the man is. We don't know if it's a possible uh, pre-Bethlehem appearing of Christ or if it's an angelic messenger, but it's, a, it's somebody from God that has a message for him. And God wrestles uh, with this man. In life, don't we wrestle with fears and anxieties? Because this is, I believe, what, J what Jacob was wrestling with. He was wrestling with fear and anxiety over meeting his brother, meet, with, with meeting possible revenge and anger in what was about to happen. And so this gift uh, that he sent ahead, he, he hoped it would be a good bribe, a good manipulation. He sent his wives and children ahead, I believe, it, to say, you know what, this guy's got people that depend on him. He's got, he's got family, he's got children that, uh, that need him. And maybe, maybe Esau will be merciful to him. But Jacob likely felt very powerless in the moment. Have you ever been there? And here he encounters a wrestling match with God. What great timing. Have you ever asked God, why now? The story tells us that they wrestle throughout the night and daybreak is coming. I believe hours have passed them by and Jacob is still holding on. 
The visitor cripples Jacob with a blow that dislocated his hip and, will, and still he will not let go. Jacob is told to let go, but he refuses until he is blessed. He's blessed. Jacob, the deceiver, is given a new name, Israel, which means there's several different meanings, but one means God prevails and the other wrestles with God or he prevails with his wrestling with God. Jacob realizes who he has just spent the night with, wrestling, and calls the place Peniel, which means face of God. Have you been at a place where you felt you've been with the face of God, where God was with you, God touched you, God uh, encouraged you. I've got several of those places where I can remember a camp or, or a place in the deer stand just, just saying, God, I need your touch. And God came, and, he, and it's a pineal where, where God came and, and, and his presence was with us. But with Jacob, he's wrestling that night. He, he wasn't just wrestling with this man. He was wrestling with, with the frustration, with the anxiety, with the stress, the fear of meeting his brother. And so I, I'm just pulling out three lessons that, that we can learn from Jacob's story this morning. Number one is people can be strong. To wrestle all night with somebody takes a lot of strength. It takes a lot of strength. And it takes a lot of strength to have your hip dislocated and you're still holding on. Uh, some of you guys know Pastor Curl, right? Pastor Curl over there. He likes to pick on me during when he preaches. And so I get a chance this morning. Do you guys know Pastor Curl? He loves sirens. He loves fire truck sirens and ambulance sirens and police car sirens. He just loves the sound. And sometimes he'll do anything to hear the sound of sirens. He had his grandsons here several years ago, and he had had a hip replacement. But he decided he wanted to go fishing and take them fishing and give them an experience and an experience he gave them. As he was fishing, he's on the bank of the Menominee River over by the, the uh, cemetery that you can see across from Fox Landing. And uh, he decides to slip. He slips and his hip dislocated. And, and to, to, luckily he had a cell phone and uh, his grandsons were quite young. Uh, and so he called, I believe he called Cliff. And Cliff got a hold of somebody. And ambulance shows up. And the fire truck shows up. And, and the, the firemen get down into the river and get him into the basket to lift him up. And then he, he complained and said he had to ride on that, that metal crate all the way in the ambulance to the hospital. And I happened to be in the hospital that night. It was a Wednesday night uh, after youth group. And a girl here named Lexi, uh, her mom, Tequila, many of you maybe remember, was in the hospital that night. And Lexi went up afterwards and told me about it. So I went up there and I'm talking to Cliff in the hallway. All of a sudden we hear, ah, sound coming. And it sounded a lot like Pastor Curl. A lot like Pastor Curl. And so from that, I know a hip dislocation is not very fun. It's very painful. Now, I'm making part of that up. I don't know if he really likes sirens, but he did fall and dislocate his hip. And uh, he is, he's doing well. But, man, I couldn't imagine holding on when being in that much pain, that much discomfort. Holding on, and it's it's amazing thing. People can be amazingly strong. I'm not trying to say 
this can be taken the wrong way. People can be strong. Think of the people that have faced abuse. If you've met somebody that's been abused as a kid, whether a young lady that's been raped or molested, and they keep going, they keep living, they keep moving on. People that have been beaten or, or, or as a kid their dad would come home drunk and beat them, they keep moving on, they keep living. People can be very strong. They can be very strong. Some of you in this room, I've heard some of your stories and, and I can say, wow, you were strong. You lived with a spouse dying. When you were young or when you're old, you're, you're moving forward and you're living. You lived with those health issues. There's one guy from our church and, and when we lived in Minnesota, his name was Harvey and his wife got MS when, when they were both very young. And we watched Harvey, uh, this beautiful, just t kind and gentle man, for years, 30 plus years, care for his wife, picking her up, putting her makeup on, doing her hair. It was a hard life for him. He could be strong. We can be strong people. And that's an amazing thing. But here's what I know, that people can be strong even without God at the center of their lives. But there's nothing like having Jesus in your life that makes you stronger. You don't have to go without Jesus. You don't have to try to be strong without God's help or the people around you's help. There are people that care about you. Realize that God is there to help us and, and uh, the people that realize that, I believe, are some of the strongest people I've ever met. The things that they've faced. The things that they've faced. Number two, God may allow infliction in our lives. You may allow it to come. It's like, why now? Why this hip being dislocated? Why now? Why would God make things seemingly worse? It makes him more vulnerable to his brother Esau if things go bad, doesn't it? Why now? Why, why my hip dislocated? Why with a limp? Why with a, I can't even run as fast if my brother's coming after me. I can't put pressure on that hip. I can't do whatever if my brother's attacking. Why now? Many times we wonder where God is in the midst of a battle in life and wonder when he's going to help make things better only to see, see things stay the same or presumably get worse from our point of view. It seems like a bad time for do, to do such a thing or to allow such a thing whether in Jacob's life or in our lives. God sees the bigger picture though. You got to remember that God sees the bigger picture and he knows what he's doing. Do you believe that? That's hard to believe and recognize sometimes. But are we willing to trust him through the battle, through the wrestling, and with the results? Our afflictions are meant to force us or push us in a more fully dependent position so we can depend on him. I believe wrestling is a lot of, uh, it's a lot about being in the right position, being in the right position because your opponent, if, if it's an actual like wrestling match, it, it's the right position, the right technique helps. But if you're in the wrong position, the technique's not going to help. And so it's about position. And so I think God will do a lot of things to get us in the right position. I was talking to Christy the other day and, and uh, I've looked back and like, why did I date that girl in college? It was a disaster. Why? 
And, and I've often, I, I believe this is my realization, if I wasn't dating her, I wouldn't have came back my sophomore year. And if I wouldn't have came back my sophomore year, I wouldn't have sensed God speaking to me about going into ministry and, and to fulfill what he had for my life. And so that was, a, that was a miserable little point of life, but it brought about a good result. It got me in the right place. It got me in the right position. And so I just had to wrestle with God through that. And if necessary, God may cause us to limp to increase our faith and dependence on him because we find there the things that we can't do on our own and we see that we need his help. So God may allow affliction in our lives. And the third point is wrestling. You're wrestling for a blessing. Many times we just want a blessing dropped on our lap. Here you go. Here's some more free stuff. As Americans, we love free stuff. Okay? We love it. But Jacob wouldn't let the man go. Even with a dislocated hip until he was blessed. Jacob, uh, Jacob had already been blessed, hadn't he? he? He tricked and deceived his father into giving him the blessing that was meant for the firstborn. Something about that blessing wasn't working though. Something wasn't being fulfilled. Something just wasn't right about it. Uh, it it's, it's that it, he had something that wasn't his. And so he's, he, I believe he's holding on. This came to me this morning as I was doing this. He, he was holding on because there was a blessing that he had on his life that wasn't his. He had, he had deceived for it. He had tricked for it. He had stolen it. He had grabbed it. So he wanted a blessing that was his. And so he held on to this man. He held on to this stranger. He, he held on until he was blessed. And when, I want to read the blessing that his father had prayed over him when, when, uh, when he tricked his father. And says in Genesis 27, it says, From the dew of heaven and the riches of earth, may God always give you abundant harvests of grain and bountiful new wine. May many nations become your servants, and may they bow down to you. May you be the master over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. All who curse you will be cursed, and all who bless you will be blessed. Was this being fulfilled? No. He, he was afraid of his brother. His brother, at that moment, he didn't believe was coming to bow down to him as his brother. He wasn't master over his brother. He was afraid of his brother. And so this blessing that was over his life at this point was not his. And so he's holding on for one that would be his. I remember when I was in high school, many of you know I've shared, I was a shoplifter. I stole a lot of things because my family didn't have money and so I stole what I got. And one time, a classmate of mine uh, showed up with some, a bottle of cologne. And at the time, it was some of the most cologne somebody could buy. And he got this cologne because uh, he went into the store and he stole the sample thing that they had out. So he's got this stolen sample thing, and uh, I was kind of disgusted. He was arrogantly walking around with it, and he's like, look at this, I got this. And he was just kind of bragging about it. And so me being who I was, I went to his locker at one time, and I took it. I stole it. You know what? I never wore that cologne. I couldn't. It's like if I wore that to school, he'd know that something's up. Where'd you get that? What's that smell? Hey, that. It's like uh, he, he, I couldn't enjoy the blessing of it because I stole it. 
In this sense, Jacob couldn't enjoy this blessing because it wasn't his. He held on for one that was. And so there are some who have been blessed, and I believe you've been blessed with good, honest, hardworking efforts in your life. And uh, yet I wonder if, if God, if you haven't been blessed by God, how much more could there be? There are some people in his life that, that live, they, they've, they've made a living dishonestly or, or tricked people, manipulated people, and they have a lot of stuff. And yet there's not a blessing on it if they've done it with manipulation and deception and lies. And I believe that with what they have, there's little joy, there's little peace, and there's little satisfaction in what they have. Because it's not blessed by him. Jacob was fearful and anxious about meeting his brother. He was exhausted from wrestling. He's in pain from his hip. But he wouldn't let the man go without blessing him. A true blessing from God. Now, what are you living with or currently facing that is making you fearful, anxious, exhausted, or even in pain? Have you resolved to just live with those things as they are or are you going to wrestle with God? Have you wrestled with God over those things believing he's going to change things and he's going to bless you in whatever you want to do? I ask these questions, uh, or I'm going to ask a question. If you wrestle with God and lose, do you really lose? Do you really lose if you wrestle with God and don't get your way? If your plans don't turn out, if you don't get that, whatever it is, that relationship, if you're a young person that you're looking for, do you really lose? Nah, you don't lose at all. You win because God wins and when God is on our side, I'm going to have the worship team come on up. And a few questions. If you wrestle with God over a sin in your life and he wins, don't you win? You got that addiction, you got that struggle, you got that stress, you got that anxiety. If God wins, you win. You grow, you get free, you get victorious. If you wrestle with God over a relationship that's struggling, and God, in, and God moves because you're wrestling with him, and he says, yeah, you got to change some things, you got to change the way you talk, you got to change the way you act with that person, or, or he might remove that person from your life. You win. Because God is on your side and he's working for you. High schoolers, I was at your spot. If you wrestle with God about what your future is. Where am I going? What am I going to do? Where am I going to go to school? What am I going to do for work? If you wrestle with God and he wins, you're in a great place. Because you've heard from him and he's going to guide and direct you. And lastly, I says if you wrestle with God about the spiritual condition of maybe your spouse, your kids, your grandkids, your parents, somebody who's far from God. If you wrestle with God over them, you're going to win because God's going to maybe give you words to say. He's going to give you ideas on things you could do. God, when, when you wrestle with God and he wins, you're going to win. If you don't lose. Like in that thumb war, if you didn't win, you were the loser. It, not with God. When God wins, you win. I have found, and this, this is just me being, I have found that the best version of me comes out, is, is out for everybody to see, is when I'm wrestling with God over something. 
When I'm wrestling with God over people or, or ideas or thoughts that I have or, or something that's going on in my life, I, I may be anxious. I might struggle with, with maybe being a little stressed or whatever it may be, but I find that in the working of that out, the best version of me comes out. Because God is positioning me and God is moving and God is touching my heart when I wrestle with him. Wrestling just doesn't happen though with God. You got to be intentional about it. You got to get in your word. You got to pray. These are all our Sunday school answers that our students like to hear about. But they're, they're real. When you worship, God just works things out. You wrestle with him. You find a, a place where you just, you just spend time with God and you try to hear his voice. You win. And so, what do you need to wrestle with today? What are you stressed about? If it's your health, let's, let's pray together and let's ask God to, to move in that situation. If it's something that's out of your control, do your best to come and lay it at the feet of Jesus and let him move on your behalf. But the best thing you can do is wrestle. Not just leave it to chance, but to wrestle with him. Let's stand together. I'm going to ask the anointers to come forward. We have a, a prayer time at the end of service with a worship time. You are free to go uh, whenever you please. Uh, but it's a great time to wrestle. It's a great time to have somebody pray with you. It's a great time to come kneel by yourself or sit by yourself or worship and let God move through your worship. But this can just be the start of wrestling. Some wrestling moments, don't, they just don't happen in a moment. They might be a season of it. Keep wrestling. Keep wrestling because in the wrestling is the blessing. And God will move on our behalf. So let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you for the story of Jacob. I thank you, Lord, for a man. Lord, he that recognized there wasn't something in his life that he couldn't live without. Lord, he wanted your blessing. The blessing of his father wasn't enough. Lord, the possessions he had was not enough. He was missing the blessing of God. And so he wrestled for it. He held on for it. He didn't let go for it. And Jesus, I thank you that we can be blessed by you as well. Lord, we can find your help in times of trouble and times of need. Lord, we can run to you with any anxiety, any stress, any pain, any, any health issues or, or personal issues we have. And we can wrestle with you, Lord. And in doing so, we believe you're going to position us, Lord, to be in a good place. You see the big picture. We don't. So help us trust you with what you're doing in our lives. We love you, Jesus, and be blessed, Lord, by our response to you today and each day this week. We love you, Jesus. Amen.